Yesterday we had our onboarding, and I thought that it was a really great experience. To be honest with you, I was not excited about doing it, and I tried everything I could to get out of it. Um, but it turned out to be really, really great because I got to hear what you guys think, what you need, and, and what you want, and, and I got to share with you things about me. One of the things that was asked about and I didn't touch on when I came back to speak is sermon preparation. You know, how do I go through that? What does it look like? And truth is, it depends on which sermon you're talking about. If you're talking about the Wednesday night sermon, preparation looks like this. I pr spend pretty much the entire day in the office on Wednesday, which is why I don't do visitations or anything else on Wednesday. I come in, I handle things that have to be handled at the desk on Wednesday, and then around when I come back from my little lunch, uh, I sit down and I read the text that I have, and I research everything on the internet, and about 4.30 or 5 o'clock, things will start coming together as far as, you know, what order to put things in and what the topic is really about. Um, Sunday's sermons are different, however. Um, the passages are already selected probably a month or so in advance, depending on how well Willing and I get moved. But I really don't look at that passage of Scripture until Wednesday evening and then start working on it until Thursday morning. And then about 4 o'clock Sunday morning, I get up, sometimes 5, and I spend those hours praying over the Scripture and looking at other Scriptures and start putting things together. And that, that's when everything really starts falling in place for that sermon. But it doesn't always happen that way. And I think today you're going to get two sermons in one. Here's what I mean. This week, the only thing that I got from God pertaining to today's sermon is a passage of Scripture. And no matter how many times I've looked at it, no matter how many times I've researched it, and, and no matter how many times I've tried to put ideas into it, it's like God has put a wall up and said, mm, nope, not now. And I think he spoke to me this morning per pertaining to what was happening with this Scripture is this, is that we are a people who live by faith, and sometimes because of resources, that faith gets misplaced. And when we have an abundance of resources, we say that we're depending upon God, but what we're really depending on is, is what we have stored away for food or, or our bank account for, to pay bills. But when those items or those necessities aren't there, when they're not stored away, then we really, truly start depending on God. You see, there's not always going to be enough money to do what we want to do. There's not always going to be enough resources when we look at what we have to do what we want to do. You can look at your bank account and say, I can't go to college because there's nothing there. But sometimes you have to take circumstances and set it aside 
And sometimes what you have to do is listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to your heart. No, they're not walking out on me. I forgot to do children's moment. <laughs> um, lack of resources cannot be a reason not to do something. Sometimes it is. But you have to discern for yourselves when that is and when it isn't. And how that applies to this is today I have to trust in God because I don't have a sermon prepared for you. What I have is what God gave me with a passage of Scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstead, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today, and we thank you again for this opportunity that you've given us together together. And Father, we ask that you send your spirit into this room to open up our hearts and minds, Father God, to, to remove from us any doubt and fear of the things that, that we have to do and help us to look to you to be our provider instead of our resources. And Father, I ask today that you empty me of any desire or any will to speak my own word. Send your spirit, Father God, to fill me that the words I speak would come from you to edify your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I think the point of all this is this. Is I, I think sometimes I was born in the wrong state. I think I should have been born in the state that they refer to as the show me state because you have to show me something and how it's going to work before I will really truly believe that it's going to work. In other words, if you tell me that if I put a key in a car and crank, and crank it up that I can put it in drive, hit the accelerator, and I can drive to wherever I want, I will not take your word for it. You have to actually show me that in action. That's the kind of person that I am. And I think that when we start talking about taking things on faith, it is scary because on faith, we don't always have a plan and we cannot guarantee that our plan will come into effect because we die to the cross. And we give our lives to Jesus Christ. And at that moment in time, we say to the Father the same words that Christ said in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. Which means sometimes we don't always know the plan. That sometimes that when we look into the tomorrow, even if tomorrow is 15 minutes away, that we can't see how it's going to work, that we can't make a plan to make it work, and we can't alter circumstances to make anything work. The only left at that point in time is to say, 
God, I give it to you and let God perform his will in our lives. And I think that's what he's wanting to say today, that, that I have to stand up here today on faith with nothing prepared other than the one passage of Scripture that he has given to say that I am going to count on God and God alone to provide for me today so the people around me know that, that when they look at their resources and their circumstances, that they too can say, you know what? God provided then for that person. God will provide for me on my circumstance. And tomorrow does not have to look dark because of what God has done today. So when I look at this passage of Scripture and Jesus tells us that you are the light of the world, it says something to me as a person about who I am and who you are as a Christian. It's not a command. Jesus didn't say, I command you to be a light. He said, you are a light. We, in a world of darkness, in a world of people that are hurting and suffering, are a beacon of hope. Do you know that? And here's why. Because we have something that they don't have. We have living within us God's very own Holy Spirit. And that makes all the difference in the world to us as we live and all the difference to, in the world to those people who are outside in darkness because they're looking for hope. They're looking for a way to survive. And they're looking for a way to, to fill that void and that emptiness inside their life that they keep jamming everything else into and only finding more emptiness. I love country music. And last week I showed the little passage or the clip of Chris Christopherson and, and how he came to know Jesus. But there's another story about another country musician that I absolutely love, and if you've seen the movie, you're going to miss the whole impact of his turning point because the movie didn't do it justice because the movie cut it out, and that was the man called Johnny Cash. You see, in the movie, his turning point was this. My life was falling apart because of addiction. I couldn't get along with my dad because we kept butting heads and, and arguing with each other the whole life. And I get mad and I go out into a field and I start fighting with a stump with a tractor and I roll the tractor over and voila, I'm on a whole new path. But if you read his testimony, you'll find that is not what happened. You see, Johnny Cash got to the point that he didn't want to live anymore. The addiction was getting the best of him. His marriages were all falling apart. His relationships with, with everyone around him, he had pretty much destroyed. He had one woman in his life, and that was June Carter at the time, and he loved her more than anything in the world. But she kept saying no to him, rejecting him over and over and over again, and he couldn't take any more pain. He couldn't take the darkness any longer in his life. So he didn't go get on a tractor and start fighting with a stump. He decided at that point in time that he didn't want to live anymore. So he went to a system of caves 
in Tennessee called Nickajack Caves. He crawled into that cave with the intention of never coming out. And he said that he got to a point in that cave where, where there was no more light, that he was surrounded by total darkness. That it was so dark, he couldn't see the hand in front of him. He couldn't tell up from down and left from right that he was at a point in a place in that cave and at a point in time in his life that he wanted to die. He had no light in his life. None whatsoever. But something happened in that cave. He heard a small whisper in his heart. And it ignited a light. Just a small spark in his soul. And he came to the realization that a life without God is going to send him exactly where he was at, but that a life with God will give meaning and purpose. And in those moments that we feel that we don't want to live anymore or we look at our circumstances and say that we can't make it, that that dependence upon God, that the power that God gives us through His Holy Spirit in our lives is enough to keep us moving. And it was at that time when He received the Holy Spirit that He no longer wanted to die, but now He wanted to live. The man who went into darkness to die automatically, instantly, when called upon God, says, I want to live. How do I get out of this darkness? All he had was a cool breeze blowing on his face. And not knowing where that breeze come from, because if you've ever been in a cave system, Air travels through the caverns from one cavern to another, many of which are dead in, and the air has a way of turning itself back around because of the force and push that air elsewhere. So you don't know that that air that you feel on your face is actually coming from the outside. But he trusted that that little breeze was enough provision to save his life. That man that wanted to die is now fighting for life, crawled himself through darkness out of that cave. And would you believe that when he came out of that cave, he wasn't alone? Because God put a light for him to see when he came out. He spoke to, to June Carter according to their testimony, and June said that, you know what, I didn't know why I was coming here, but God spoke to me, and he said in my heart, pack up lunch and take it to this location because somebody is in need of nourishment. And when Johnny came out, that's what he found was June Carter standing at the front of that cave with food for the nourishment of his body. They are lights in this world that illuminate the darkness for other people to see daily. And you may not know it, 
and you may not recognize it at the time, but, but you are that light. I wish life was more simple when we look at it because, you know, it's kind of like this. You know the old, I think it's a Chinese saying where you take the pebble and, and you drop it into the pond and it becomes a one ripple after another ripple after another ripple all the way across the pond. See, that's how our contact with people is. As a light, all you've got to do is simply say to someone is Jesus loves you. God's word went out and it performed the task that it was meant to. And you may not see the change right then and there, but, but you just made an investment in that person's life by being there in their darkness. But in time, that little ripple that you started in their life leads to another ripple and another ripple until it brings them to the point of knowledge that they are willing to call on the name of and accept God into their life. Sometimes being a light is not something that's seen until some years down the road You're the light bearer that brings hope into darkness. You are a city, as the scripture says, that, that sits on a hill and it cannot be hidden. We cannot be hidden from the world. I don't care what the world screams at us every day, how we are wrong or how we're being persecuted or how we should convert to how they want to live. It doesn't matter what they say. Do you know why the world says that? They says that because we're not moving. If we were moving, that is, if we were moving from the ground that we stand on, they wouldn't be screaming because there would be nothing to scream at. They're screaming because we are doing exactly what God called us to do, which is to be Christians in a living and dying world, that we are an example that points others to Christ, that our lives is a sign to others that gives direction to Jesus Christ. And no one can overlook that. They may be blind to it at a certain part in their life, but when they come to that awakening moment, that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they look back on what God has done in their lives throughout time. And they see how, how this person and this person and this person and this circumstance and this situation has been placed into their life that had an impact on them that brought them to that point of saying, yes, I will receive you as my Father. I will receive you as my Savior. And yes, I want the Holy Spirit to live within my heart. We cannot be hidden. And because we, as a people of God, make that impact on the world, the world wants to tell us that we have to stop. But we refuse to stop. Because of our loyalty to our God, because of what he has done for us, and because of all things, because of we know who he is. And whether God gives us anything more than salvation itself in our life, we know that he has already given us more than we deserve. And because of that, we glorify his name. 
people see that. It cannot be hidden. And then Jesus goes on to say concerning people and their actions about light, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know, it, it changes just a little bit here in this passage here because it goes from Jesus telling us what we are to how we should act or to, to what we should do. That we should take this light and not hide it and not conceal it, but put it out there for the world to see. You see, we get in the habit of coming to church to hear what God is going to do for me and how God is going to make life better for me. And we forget sometimes that, that there's a, another part of that relationship, and that's how we serve God. What we do for Him. And part of what we do is to take that story, that witness, and send it out into a world that needs to know. It's something that we do consciously. It says, I have a message for you. I have a, a hope for you when you're hopeless. And I have a path for you when you run out of road. You have a story, just like I have a story. And I'm telling you today that, that one of the things that impact people most is not just hearing the Word of God as is written, but hearing how the Word of God fulfilled itself in our lives. And I've shared my story with you in part. And I hope that it made an impact on you. But there are other stories that I haven't shared. And one day I will, but not today. But if we take our stories our testimony and our witness and put it out for the world to see. They'll see the light. They'll see the city. And they'll come home to the Father. See, Jesus didn't command us to be the light of the world. And he didn't command us to be a city set on a hill. That is what we are. But he does command this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So I guess that's it. There's proof that we don't have to look to our resources and say we can't do something. 
that just because God has it put it in our bank account right now doesn't mean he won't do it when it's needed. And just because he hasn't provided that path for our children to go on today doesn't mean it's not there. But just like God provided work today when there was no other provision, if we learn to lean on God, listen to the Holy Spirit, not act foolishly, but listen to God's call when he calls, there's nothing that we can't do. It takes faith. Faith to trust God when we can't see the way. Let us pray. Father God, as we close today's service, help us to remember that, that many of the things that we've accomplished in life, that we accomplished not because of the provision that was there, but because of the provision that you had for us at a future date. Help us to remember, Father, that as we walk forward in life, that we can look to tomorrow, listening to the Spirit's call, and know that, that provision will be there for whatever our circumstance is in accordance to your will. Help us, Father God, to know your will as we walk forward. And give us the courage to step back when we need to step back, to let go when we need to let go, and to step forward in faith when it's time to step forward in faith. Father, help us to build stories with our lives that we can send those stories out into the world to be a light to the lost that they may come home to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, in the love of God and fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you now and always. Amen. Amen, she says. All right. <laughs>